Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Namaste and hello, everybody. Hope is on vacation tonight. I'm Reverend Amy Oberly of the Sisters Rising podcast and of the Hope Interface Center. We are so grateful to have you here listening. We cannot wait to introduce you to our special guest of this night. We are welcoming Christine Stump, who is an incredible yoga instructor and founder of Badlands Yoga, and she loves to practice healing yoga, which is something that's going to be new to the world that we are so excited to hear more about here. And Christine, hello. We're so happy to have you. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to to be your guest. Oh, thank you, Christine. I just want to introduce you here a little bit. So like we said, she is an incredible healing yoga instructor, the owner of Badlands Yoga. She currently lives um, in Cedar Crest, New Mexico, and her studio is in Albuquerque. She is the founder of Healing Yoga, a practice that highlights the six scientifically proven ways that yoga triggers and bolsters your body's natural healing response. Christine works with individuals one-on-one and in small groups. She applies the Socratic method to support her clients' practice of breath-inspired movement from their true core to cultivate a sensory experience in the light of awareness. She relies on the natural and physical rhythms, and she helps them befriend their birthright as embodied creatures in sync with the cycles of light and dark, of hot and cold and wet and dry, supported by chosen structures, habits, and awareness, validated by Nobel Peace Prize winning science. Oh, we can't wait. Thank you, Amy. I I so admire what you and Hope do, and this is a unique opportunity for me to talk about uh, spirituality in conjunction with this practice. Yes, that sounds great. I'd love to dive right in. Can you explain to us a little bit more about how you view spirituality in your practice or what you like to teach to others? Absolutely. So uh, spirituality to me is incredibly personal. And so uh, I spent the majority of my two decades in teaching really, um, really focusing on the experience in a human body, because I find that that's something that we, we, all, we all unequivocally share. And it's sort of a common language. Um, my personal spirituality is that I'm a practicing Buddhist with um, a lot of sprinkling of, uh, of my Roman Catholic upbringing. And the way that I help people feel what I interpret as a spiritual experience, the experience of being in a human body, is that I offer breath, movement, and imagination exercises, also known as meditation or relaxation in various modalities. Um, I offer these exercises in an effort to create a sensory experience because, of course, whatever spiritual experience we're having, we're having in concert with being human beings in these physical presences. And so by creating certain sensory experiences of our own bodies, 
but so by turning the sensational awareness or the sensory awareness inward rather than focusing outward, people can have deep experiences of balance, harmony, and relaxation that really then can become a gateway because they dissolve the obstacles to healing in the body, which is the the fundament for healing at the heart level and healing in our psyche, which is the fundament, of course, for anything that comes after. Oh, that is so beautiful, Christine. I love the way that you explain that. I think no matter what your belief or background is, everybody can connect to that definition, as well as everybody, literally everybody, (laughs) can connect with yoga and that, you know, that movement. And I love how you say a sensory experience. I think going to yoga is such a sensory experience. You feel that joy of your body moving and that deep breath and things letting go. And you put the word to it just perfectly. No, thank you. Uh, the, The ancient texts of yoga, they instruct us that the way yoga works is not by adding to us but by dissolving what are called the kleshas or the obstacles to our fundamental wholeness. It's all, always here. Um, and we're, we're constantly living from that fundamental wholeness, but with various barriers to experiencing it. And so the physical asana practice or yoga pose practice Uh, starts to dissolve those on a tissue level so that then we can have other experiences of that wholeness as well. Mm, I love that. May I ask you, do you have an example of that either within yourself or maybe one of your students who come to you? Uh, there are so many. I One of the things that I love about what I do for a living is that Um, I feel like I get to see miracles every week, and that's how I read them. I can also explain them from a physical perspective. Um, I have, so in in my own body, uh, part of what I've experienced is that when I use particular yoga poses. And we've probably all been here, right? Uh, everybody consults Google for everything. <laughs> so <laughs> if I have shoulder pain, what yoga is good for shoulder pain, right? Um, and so there are all these sort of general categories. There are poses that are um, sort of general go-tos for feeling happier or for creating shoulder mobility or all of these various things. And at times in my life, when I've been in pain, I was born with a birth defect that um, was corrected through casting for the first two years of my life. Um, And the result was that I needed a hip replacement in my early 40s. And leading up to that, I was in a great deal of pain um, Mm -hmm. because we were trying to postpone it. And I was using yoga to help both keep the tissue mobile, but also to um, help distinguish between my sensory experience of being in a body that needed some repair, which is different but aligned with healing, and needing my wholeness through this body that was awaiting repair. And so I would use my practice to address very specific muscular tissues, right? Like I needed to allow more mobility in my hip flexors. I wanted to release the fascia of my IT band. I wanted to relax my tensor fascia lata, right? All very specific places in the body. And what yoga does is it, it addresses those areas 
as part of the full system. It's connected by fascia from head to toe, front to back, and right to left. And by creating body positions that we then work with, with the breath. So from the inside, we're breathing into that container that we've created. We start Mm -hmm. to dissolve physical limitations that might be present in that, um, in the psoas, in the tensor fascia lata, in the IT band, in the glute medius. As those begin to relax, that relaxation is distributed throughout the fascial network that's connected to it. And then that sense of ease that grows in the body feeds back into the breath that helped created it, to, to help, that helped create it. And then the breath becomes more balanced. As the breath becomes more balanced, the autonomic nervous system, which is that deep layer of our nervous system that decides whether we need to be in response mode, I need to mm-hmm. react to the world in one of these ways, right? Fight, flight, freeze. Or mm-hmm. can, I, can I melt into rest? digest and connect and that's the creative system and those layers interact with one another once that autonomic nervous system becomes more balanced through working with the postures and then the breath then the postures become even more relaxed even more balanced and so Mm. it's a constant feedback system in a way that creates profound release and in that release then we're able to contact a healing that's both physical psychological and spiritual wow that is so fascinating i just love how you explain everything you make it very easy um, so how, you know, I've heard of the, yeah, I've heard of like the fight or flight system, but can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit more about the rest, digest, and connect, and maybe just go a little bit further into that? Oh, yes. So our body has, um, there are hormones or neurotransmitters that, can perform a number of functions that switch us into the rest, digest, and connect mode, which is on a continuum with that fight-or-flight mode. Mm -hmm. Technically, they're called the sympathetic nervous system for the fight-or-flight and the parasympathetic for the rest, digest, connect, create. And that the the most famous part of that uh, is the vagus nerve. And when the vagal nerve, which has two branches, polyvagal theory is becoming more popular, and it is still considered a theory, um, but it has brought to light that there's a branch of the vagus system that is, it helps us to simply freeze if we need to, just shutting everything down. But there's a forward branch. Of that, of that system, a ventral branch. And that's the one that enervates our face, our heart, our stomach, our intestines. And when our body doesn't send threats, particularly dire life threats, mm-hmm. which our nervous system has, has sort of um, adapted to see many things that aren't true life threats, but they they feel deeply threatening. When we're not sensing things as life threats, then our body can send blood into the digestive system, right? Because it's, it's a decision that the body has to make. If you need to run from a tiger or move your car out of the way of something that's about to hit it really fast, you need a lot of blood to the peripheral muscles in the arms and legs really fast. Mm -hmm. And so there's like this switching station that sends the blood there. Ideally, once you've come through that threat, 
just like the antelope on the savanna, or if you have uh, dogs at home or have ever witnessed them, they get away from a tense situation or even a reprimand, and they shake, shake, shake. <laughs> and ideally, we do that, and what they're doing is they reset. That, that triggers their vagus, and there are a lot of ways that yoga triggers our vagal nerve and that entire system. So then we welcome the blood back into the, the central mass of the body. We turn the digestion on. Um, it actually has profound effects on our microbiome. We're able to breathe more freely and more deeply. The respiratory diaphragm and pelvic diaphragm begin to synchronize ideally, so that they're descending together and ascending together. The respiratory diaphragm actively, but then the pelvic diaphragm is the, the floor for all of our, what I call the sausage, right? The intestines and <laughs> yeah. the, the liver and kidneys and all that. And so when the respiratory diaphragm descends fully, there's, there aren't too many places for the sausage to move. And so that gentle pressure on the pelvic floor helps it to relax a little bit. And then when the respiratory diaphragm lifts back up, most fully, which it can do when we're in a relaxed state, it draws, because that's a closed system below the diaphragm, it draws it up. And so then the pelvic floor is drawn up as well. And this creates a gentle rhythm in the body. It's transmitted through lymphatic fluid, interstitial fluid, and helps to soothe and calm the entire system. When the this parasympathetic nervous system or the rest, digest, connect, create system is dominant, we are able to take that extra beat between mm-hmm. thoughts or in interactions, right? Things that we might take the wrong way and react to very quickly. Escalating situations, we can take a beat and then sort of expand what we might imagine could come of that, right? And that creativity enhances our connection to one another. And so personal peace becomes social peace. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for explaining that even more. We really appreciate it. Um, I'd love to talk to you more about healing yoga. And I know that there are six things that you really, um, well, to your heart, you know that are true, true about that healing yoga. May we have you talk with us a little bit more about that? Of course, of course. So, and this is, um, it's certainly not something that I've trademarked. Other people use this term. Um, Lauren Fishman wrote a book called Healing Yoga Itself, where he focused on the healing aspects of various yoga postures. When I was in my first yoga teacher training back in the early 2000s, I was making a transition from being sort of a a physical fitness uh, gym rat sort of thing, right? I lifted weights. I used to run. When I was a teenager, when people asked me what religion I was, I would tell them I was a runner. So it was all about strength and movement and sweating. And at the time that I took that teacher training, I was really – diving into what I was experiencing as a a more healing form of movement. And then one day I was teaching Warrior One, which from an outside physical perspective is a lunge with your arms up, right? Right foot forward, left foot back. Lift the bandhas or what I call true core. And then extend your arms in a way that expresses your heart. And you're in warrior one. And I thought, why is this any different than a lunge with your arms up? 
is this, is that all this is? <laughs> and then I was off to the races for another couple of decades of exploration. And as I have taught more and then gone to full-time teaching and helping people heal through yoga, I started to see that there are really six classifications of things that allow yoga to work at so many levels at once. And I think that this is one of the reasons that yoga is becoming so popular because in our society, we've split mental and physical fitness just to a, a large extent. It's coming together a little bit. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. But if we could, if we had a way to spend that hour that we have for ourselves, or the half hour, or the 15 minutes, that balances us from a physical level and an emotional level and a mental level and a spiritual level, how much more powerful would that be? And so the six ways, and I've organized uh, scientific research that I've uh, read over the years under these six rubrics. The first one is that it's a practice, and that encompasses several facets. One is that we're meeting ourselves on the regular, meeting ourselves on the mat or the cushion. Um, That commitment to show up for ourselves for a bounded period of time daily, which is a spiritual practice as well, right? to show up Mm -hmm. and listen for um, the voice of spirit, to simply, in Zen Buddhism, to simply be, um, can be joined with physical movement and breath. And then we're creating this bond with a part of ourselves that can only open up inside of that structure of practice. It also takes advantage of the fact, uh, uh, right before we came on, you had mentioned yin yoga. So Mm -hmm. there are really three modalities for for a yoga, a physical yoga practice. And, uh, And yoga encompasses so much more than asana, but it is usually how people are introduced. There is the engaged practice where you engage muscles um, to create shapes like warrior one, warrior two, tree pose, camel pose. And then you explore the transitions between those. Mm -hmm. There's this yin practice where instead of hugging the muscles to the bone, you practice letting go and giving in to gravity, which affects different tissues in the body. Um, And then there's a restorative practice, which is yet a third thing. You, this is, this is the practice with so many bolsters and blankets that uh, it's, it can be a really luxurious practice. You make um, almost a nest and then you Mm -hmm. lay your body down with complete support which is different than just surrendering to gravity. In the yin practice, we're looking for sensations that are intense um, or on a spectrum of intensity. In a restorative practice, we're really giving in to support and receiving. And so that works primarily on the nervous system level. And as a practice, We don't always pray the same way, right? Some of Mm -hmm. our prayers are interrogative, some are requests. Some are just listening. With our yoga practice, sometimes we're energetic and engaging, and our breath is then more warming. Other times we're practicing surrender or we're practicing restoration. And so there are modalities that meet us where we are. 
so that we don't have to show up and do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Out of that comes the sensory practice. And one of the things that I've become very convinced of is that our sensory experience, so we connect to the world outside, of course, through vision and smell and touch, but there's a whole internal landscape, and the, the technical word for it is interoception, being able to sense the inside of a body. And then there are subsets of that. And that's a landscape that has been so drastically um, neglected and impoverished by yes. our it, you you feel it too. <laughs> Definitely. What I find in working with my clients, and it, you probably find this working with people yourself, when we ask one another, so how are you doing today? The most common response is something like what? Fine. And that nuance, that sense of um, of an actual description, mm-hmm. of actually sharing. Oh, my heart is feeling heavy today, or I feel so happy to be alive. Like whatever it is, that's a richness of vocabulary that we don't often share with one another. Mm-hmm. And when people come in with an injury, often the sum total of their experience is it's pain. It's pain. How do I make it go away? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I empathize with that very deeply, having been in a lot of pain. There's this sense of like, oh, what can just make it go away? Yoga mm-hmm. provides for us a number of paths where we can actually learn to open to the experience and be present with it the way we would a friend, right? When a friend's in pain, at our best, we don't, we don't just, you know, throw flowers at them and say, cheer up, come on, let's go to a movie. <laughs> okay. That, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's, that's what happens, and sometimes it can be helpful. But at our best, we pour tea, and we sit, and we're quiet. And in that space, something can open up that, yes, can help soften and relieve pain. In the friendship uh, scenario, it's a certain sharing, Right? Uh, or an outpouring. In terms of an embodied scenario for somebody in physical pain, once we're able to downregulate the nervous system long enough to be present with the actual experience, more than half the time, the description is no longer pain. It's a tightness. It's a rigidity. Oh, there's a numbness there oh, it actually feels like, and then you get these amazingly descriptive, um, almost story-like relationships to it. And then the whole experience changes. And at that level, then we're working with layers of blocks. In yoga and Ayurveda, these are called koshas. Koshas are... um, literally covering, Uh, but they're layers of experience. And the physical layer, or anamaya kosha, or the food body, is our smallest experience. But without access to it, then we don't access the breath body, the pranamaya kosha. But once Mm -hmm. we've worked into the breath body, then we have access to the Manamaya Kosha or the intelligence, the director intelligence, 
And that gives us access to the Vijnamaya Kosha, which is the wisdom intelligence, which gives us access to the Anandamaya Kosha, which is referred to as the bliss body. And this is actually said to be, in my experience, is the place where all lack of ease in the body starts. Our restrictions and separations from our experience of our original wholeness. And so the causation goes from the bliss body inwards. But our access back out to heal back through those layers has to start by going deep into our sensory experience of ourselves. Mm, Yes, yeah. And then the Mm -hmm. breath is part of how we're able to have that experience. And as I as I explained a little bit before, the breath is so much more, right? We often think of, oh, breathing. It's oxygen, carbon dioxide exchanging, it's the alveoli, and it's how we get air into the body. And it is, that's such the tip of the iceberg. Just by breathing, we're creating the motion in the fluid body. Uh-huh. We're all familiar with the heart and the blood vessels, which is a closed system. And so the heart pumps, literally pumps all of that fluid around. That is one of the systems inside of the sensory, of experience, sensory experience of our skin. And all of those systems together are bathed in fluid And its only pump is our movement through the world and our breath. Wow. And the one thing that we all share. So I've worked with people who were fully paralyzed through yoga. I've worked with, um, after my own surgery for my hip replacement, the first thing I did was yoga, but it was through the breath. We can literally move fluids in our bodies and in so doing, send almost massage-like waves into various areas of our body once we've learned, once we've reconnected to that sensory capacity. And from there, the natural rhythms emerge. And I spoke a little bit about the diaphragm and pelvic floor, which are um, I refer to them as true core. The Sanskrit word is bandhas. Okay. And they are, when, when we think of core from a Western perspective, we're often thinking of that elusive eight-pack or six-pack um, <laughs> or <laughs> the, the obliques or the transverse, right? Uh, the, what I call the outside of the Coke can. And those muscles are really important. It's not that they're not. And deeply internal to those muscles is this system that moves and is the cause of the breath. And those deeper paraspinal muscles are the muscles that if we learn to sense them, and then move with and from them, the outer muscles, what I, the outside of the Coke can muscles, they come along for the ride. But many of us have spent years and years doing crunches and other things to focus on the outer abs without ever having an experience of these deeper layers. And they're important because when we move from them, we move our locus of control closer to the spine. And that has physical implications. We begin moving more fluidly, more in, in a more integrated fashion. And it also has a profound effect on how we interact with our world. And all of that, so part of the tradition that I'm a part of, um, the 
Indian root for it was a man named TKV Desikachar called Vini Yoga. And it's one of the four primary roots. And his particular spin on what he received, and they all received the same thing, but these four people who started off in the early 20th century each put their own spin on. And the spin that Desikachar, um, or the facet that he focused on, that's probably a much better word for it, the facet, <laughs> was that the yoga should be adapted to the person and never the person adapted to the yoga. Oh, yes. And it's, it's so important. We've all been to classes where we just try to keep up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's something we haven't done before, or the teacher's going particularly fast, or for whatever reason, we're, we're keeping pace. Mm-hmm. And while there's nothing wrong with that, that doesn't leave much room for the experience of breath, for the experience of the nervous system calming that allows then for an experience of bliss. Mm -hmm. So that's a a relatively rapid (laughs) tour through the practice, sensation, breath, true core rhythms, and personalization. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like that helps explain yoga, movement, breath work in such a great way that it really helps, I mean, especially me, but I'm sure everybody who's listening and who will listen to this, I'm sure it just helps connect a lot of dots. <laughs> That's the kind of oh, what's so really glad. going on. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, that I love taking esoteric and complicated things and making them Felt. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, it's definitely a talent of yours among the many. <laughs> Thank you. Would you be Would you be willing to maybe take us through a little bit of breath work here? Oh, I'd be. I would. I'd be honored. Yes. Thank you. So, I'm going to invite you and everyone listening. To And, of course, if you're driving, please um, come back to this later uh, and follow it um, only as far as you can keep your, your sensory awareness firmly on that road. Um, and if you have the luxury of being in a place where you can sit down and do that, and for just a moment, Feel your sitting bones on the surface beneath you, on the chair, on the cushion, on the floor. And you might rock a little bit side to side, feeling those sitting bones or the little feet at the bottom of your pelvis. And in fact, to get a sense of that, try putting your hands over your hip bones. And tilt the tilt what's under your hands a little bit forward, your tail We'll come back a little bit. And then take an inhale here. And then exhale. And bring your tail forward and tilt that top of your pelvis back. And let's do that just twice more. Inhale, tail back. And the top of the pelvis tilts forward. And then exhale. And we're moving within a pain-free range of motion here. The magic of bodies is if we can find a pain-free range of motion and be aware and mobile in it, it's likely to expand. So as you tilt your pelvis forward and back, you're going to feel your sitting bones rocking back and forward. So then find an intermediate place where you feel almost literally rooted. And then rest your hands on your thighs. Palms down for calm or up for energy. And breathing in. Feel yourself breathing in. 
as you exhale, feel the sensations of letting go. For just a few breaths here. As you breathe in, feel what parts of your body move to accept the breath into the body. And then as you exhale, notice again what parts of your body move. Notice motion in the front of your belly. Does it move? And how? As you're paying attention to the area around the abdomen, draw your attention toward the back around your waist. Do you notice any sensation or movement in the low back area with your inhale? or with your exhale. And then notice the rib cage. How does it move as you inhale? And how does it move as you exhale? And for, there's no right or wrong here. What I do want you to notice is how just by paying attention, you've already transformed your breath. It's likely slower and deeper. After your next inhale now, pause for just a moment. We're not holding anything. We're just resting. Your body will know when to let go. And then exhale and follow the breath. And then pause again, even if it's for a split second, at the end of the breath. Your body will know when to begin again. And then inhale and follow the breath into any expansions that happen in your body. Pause again after the inhale. And entertain it for this moment. You have everything you need. When your body lets go and you follow the breath to the end of the exhale, take that sliver of a moment to rest in the stillness and quiet of emptiness. Inhale and rest in the abundance of your breath. After an exhale, feel the clarity and stillness. We'll take three more breaths, focusing on these pauses between the inhale and exhale, and exhale and inhale. And then gently open your eyes. And just take a moment and notice if your posture is different than when we began. And any postural adjustments came through your body's own intelligence. Notice if you feel differently on a mood level. And that is so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, 
Thank you. I definitely notice a big posture difference, especially we're recording this after a full day. So I cannot wait to come back to that moment where you help guide us through that breath work. That oh, is so, so beautiful. <laughs> you are very gifted, Christine. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. Thank you. May I ask you, as I'm listening to you, you are so, so abundant with knowledge and with beauty and just so much healing energy around you. Um, can we ask you why it, what is your why behind what you do? Oh, wow. So uh, thank you. Um, my big why is that yoga took various strands and threads of my life. Um, I was very interested in science and medicine, uh, but quickly be, quickly learned that I didn't, that what I wanted to do wasn't the main interest inside hospitals. Um, and then I was also very interested in philosophy. My uh, graduate work was in ancient Western philosophy and uh, some Eastern philosophy. And when I came to yoga, it took these various pathways that had felt like parts of a whole picture to me. And I felt like I was being given the tools to live more fully in my body and, and, and to heal at many levels. And as I started moving through that journey, I couldn't help but share it with everyone. Um, in fact, it started to become part of how I would interact. I, I used to be a paramedic. And so I would occasionally um, use some of the breathing techniques to coach patients, right, who didn't need advanced life support, uh, but who could be benefited by some of these breath awareness techniques. Um, And I, when I became a field operations supervisor and I had crews, who had stressful situations, it was the best thing I knew how to share with people. Um, Aside, obviously, from the employee assistance program and psychological counseling and all of these other wonderful adjuncts to healing, but it was, it's the most, it's always available. You know what I mean? (laughs) It it doesn't have to be an hour-long appointment. It can be hey, let's you and me, just let's take a deep breath right now, right? And there's something that brings us into aware of an awareness of a common humanity and a pre-verbal understanding of, some, of, of that humanity and an ability to understand one another that so much more quickly resets a situation. And I very quickly, once I uh, allowed myself to start sharing that in this context, realized that this was something that I thought was, this was where all of those, the philosophy and the science and all of this other stuff, it, it just, together in this experiential modality that really could be shared anytime, anywhere. Um, And so as uh, ubiquitous as it sounds, uh, I wanted to share something that had been profoundly helpful to me. Wow, that is so beautiful. My gosh, you've almost had a few lifetimes in your one lifetime already. <laughs> I tend I tend to do uh I tend to go big. 
or go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you live a full life. I love that. We celebrate you. (laughs) Likewise. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Christine, who inspires you in your life? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, my clients inspire me every single day um, through little and big things. Um, mm-hmm. Clients who share that, hey, I had this, I was out cross-country skiing and I had this almost accident that would that it would have been an accident except I remembered your true core instructions and that saved me. I didn't fall, right? Little things like that to um, people who have their first two or three yoga classes and they come in and say, oh, my gosh, I've never felt like this in my body before. Um mm-hmm. I tell my apprentices, once once you learn the principles of teaching yoga from a healing perspective, you have the easiest job in the world because you're doing nothing. Yoga does the magic. You just you communicate the 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 principle. Um, my teachers, I, I learned a Worlds. I learned worlds from um, workshops I took with Richard Freeman in the early 2000s. He's uh, an Ashtanga yogi with a deep grounding in spiritual tradition. In fact, I remember this one time he uh, came into a room and just stood there. He had us all in mountain pose, which is that pose that looks suspiciously like just standing there. (laughs) And... Minutes went by, and we were all, you know, you're supposed to look straight ahead, and you're supposed to keep this balanced posture, and more minutes went by, and we were all sort of, like, looking out of the corners of our eyes at one another, like, has he had a stroke? What's going on? Why aren't we doing anything? <laughs> and after about 10 minutes, he, when he smiled, it's like 10,000 suns light up the room. And it felt like 10 minutes later, this 10,000 sun smile radiates. And he just chuckled at us and he said, that is, and this isn't a quote, but this is my memory, that is all yoga you'll ever need. Now, since your monkey minds are so predominant, Yes, I'll show you the arm balances you're sure to learn, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> he was a profound influence, and he's both a physically and a personally accomplished human being in yogi. And Mukunda style uh, is sort of the grandfather of yoga therapy. Is another profound influence um, in terms of spiritual reading. Dogen. Uh, is a deep influence of mine. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Roshi Joan Halifax at the Upaya Zen Center in Santa Fe. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. We get to learn so many new things and new authors and people in your life who have made it for you. Well, thank you. I would... I would add to that was Socrates. Um, the Platonic dialogues have a lot of hidden gold in there. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, it's so fun learning more about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so great. So, Christine, I know you are located in New Mexico, but are you able to offer classes online to people like throughout the world or the United States? Yes. Yes. In fact, um, so I've I've been using, I started off using Skype to teach long distance in about 2010. 
Um, and uh, the pandemic, of course, has gotten us all used to Zoom in, to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. And that has allowed our practice to, to grow. So we now have clients in about seven different states. Is that true right now? I think it's still true. Um, Canada and Nigeria. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Wow. (laughs) Good. And then where is it that we can find your classes or find out more about you? Thank you. Um, My website is badlandsyoga.com, and that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-Y-O-G-A.com. And the Badlands part, uh, I used to do week-long solo retreats, camping in the Badlands of New Mexico. Um, And so that's where the name comes from. And um, there uh, there you'll find a blog links uh, to some of our seasonal recipes. Some of the rhythms that we observe have to do with how like dark, cold, wet, and warm, uh, sorry, light, dark, wet, and dry, Mm -hmm. warm and cold interact to create the season. And when we eat in concert with the season, it helps to nourish the microbiome and reset a lot of things in our bodies. And so there's a seasonal recipe page. Uh, And then I work with people in private sessions and in small groups. We have scholarships available. um, And you can find all of that there. Oh, thank you so much. Wow, we cannot wait to take your classes. (laughs) You're so kind. I would so love. To, to practice with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, we want to ask you, your breath work was so life-changing, even just that few minutes of it. Before we end for our show, may we ask for just a little bit more? <laughs> oh, I would love to, yes. So uh, what what I'll offer is Um, an experience of sense withdrawal, which is one of the eight limbs of yoga. The fancy Sanskrit word for it is pratyahara. And this is a common guided relaxation that I offer in final resting pose, which is that laying flat part at the end of every yoga class Um, to help illuminate Pratyahara. So wherever you are, and again, if you're driving, come back to this later. But if you have the luxury to sit or lay down, find a place of rest, whatever that means for you in your body right now. And then release all effort of breathing. Start to notice that there's nothing you need to do to accept every inhale. And that just by offering the exhale back out to the world, you're prepared to receive your next inhale like a gift. You might start to notice that each and every breath is singular. They're alike, but not identical. Just like the waves of the ocean lapping up on the sand are similar to one another, but vastly unique. Every breath in is the perfect resolution of forces in that moment. And every exhale is the perfect resolution of forces letting go.
and having released all effort of breathing. Let your muscles know that there's nothing left to do for these few moments. There's nowhere to go, nothing to hold together, no one to be. It's okay to let go. And as your muscles let go of your bones, you might feel your bones floating in the oceanic waters of your body. And having released all muscular effort, Release any effort of being. Feel your eyes sink back away from the world. You might almost begin to feel as if your body, upright or laying down, is becoming like a puddle of water gathered here in this spot in this moment from so many places. Streams and rivulets that have fallen from the sky and traveled over mountains and sand and desert and fields and cities and asphalt. All to converge here in this puddle sinking into the earth. And every one of those rivulets and every one of those streams carries with it little bits and pieces of the world over which it's run. Twigs and small pebbles. Ladybug wings. Bits of leaves. And all of that comes swirling into this puddle and this pond. But now, as we settle together and rest, those streams and rivulets dwindle temporarily. so that the water in your particular pond can become still. Now as it becomes still, all of those pieces of the outside world start to drift toward the bottom, down to that organic layer where water and earth meet. where they can be broken down and released for new transformation. Notice how still and clear the water can become. Notice the unbroken blue of the sky, the bright blue fluffy clouds or the deep midnight blue of night reflected in the surface of the water. Notice the light of the sun or the glinting of the moon in the depths of the water and entertain that you are the clear light of awareness. Where water, earth, sky, and sunlight meet. 
And as we gather ourselves back, we call ourselves home by listening for the beating of our own heart. Whether you think you hear or don't, listen. And then try to feel all of your skin at once. And then feel your breath on the inside of your nostrils. And lift the upper back of your mouth. Finally circling your eyes behind your eyelids. You might blink your eyes open. Jai, happy yoga day. Thank you for sharing that moment with me. Thank you. It's like a little paradise. (laughs) (laughs) Christine, we are so incredibly grateful that you shared not only your time with us, but truly your gifts this evening. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate you, Amy. Oh, thank you, Christine. I appreciate you, too. Again, to find out more about our beautiful Christine, please go to badlandsyoga.com to sign up for her amazing classes and to experience more breath work and of her healing energy. We are so thankful to everyone who joined us today and who will be listening to this around the world. We pray that you are blessed beyond measure in every way and in every form. And Christine, again, we thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, my thanks to Hope. I really appreciate both of you and all of your work. Oh, thank you so much. Have a beautiful night and a beautiful day, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Rev. Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.